All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to, glad to see you. Hope life was halfway decent to you this week. It varies, doesn't it? Uh, for the believer, for those of us who are in Jesus Christ, um, the, wonderful, the wonderful thing that we have within us is that resting hope, right? Is that resting hope, that resting joy, and that peace, as the Word says, that passes understanding. The peace that passes understanding. In other words, there is no logical reason you should have peace, right? In those situations, in those circumstances uh, that, are, that are dreadful, that are awful, that are sad, that are hard, there's no logical reason that you should have any peace. It's a peace that passes understanding. It certainly passes human understanding. And it's a peace that comes from the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the relationship that we have with God, knowing you were sealed for the day of redemption, right? Literally, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he said that final word, to die, it is finished, it literally means paid in full. Uh, when cargo ships would come into the Roman ports, if they had already been prepaid and then the, the merchandise was shipped, it would be stamped on the cargo uh, to die paid in full. And so there's this idea within our faith that you have been stamped, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption, to Telestai, paid in full. It is finished. When Jesus Christ said those words, he was speaking those words not just for his earthly suffering. He wasn't speaking those words just for the end of his physical life. He was speaking those words because he was putting an end to sin and to death. And he was speaking those words for you and I and everybody who calls on the name of Jesus Christ, everyone who's been born again of the Spirit, that word applies. To Telestai, you have been you have been paid for in full. You have been sealed for the day of redemption, right? And so that's the hope that I have. That's the peace that I have. Paul talking about the suffering that he went through and the trials and the tribulation and the persecution, which were many and which were hard, eventually costing him his life, uh, he had this peace that passed understanding, he had this ability to understand that I'm just passing through this place. In fact, he said, if it was only for, the, for, for, for this life, it was only for what Jesus Christ uh, and God the Father gives us in this life, if that, was, if that was all we had in our faith, we would be above all men the most pitiable, right? There's nothing about the Christian life that guarantees us good times, right? That is a wrong doctrine. That is a wrong way of looking at Christianity as some sort of life enhancement gospel. We're going to get sick too. We're going to lose people too. We're going to have hard times as well. We're going to go through the same things that everybody else goes through. God didn't deliver us and save us to take us and set us apart from this world so that we would have no doings with the people of this world and so that we would just be above them on every level. And if you want to have a wonderful life like I do, you must ascend to this level just as I have. But instead, God put us right back into the station we were at. Paul says, don't seek to change your station. Stay in the exact station that you were in when you were called in Christ Jesus because God's got a job for you to do there now. You know, Calvary Chapel, the Finger Lakes got this big rock sitting by the exit of their church, and it says, You are now entering the mission field. And that's what all of our lives were to be. It was meant to be shared. Our lives were meant to be shared. The hope that we have in Christ, the light that lives inside of us, was meant to be shared with people who don't have that light. We were supposed to be the fragrance of life to those seeking life 
to those who want nothing to do with God, who want nothing to do with that life in Christ, you are the, the fra fragrance of, I don't know, B.O. or death or something. Like, it ain't good, right? The people don't want you around. I remember when I, when I gave my heart back to Jesus Christ and I wanted to walk with him and I wanted to live for him and I wanted to change my life, suddenly my phone stopped back then. It was beepers, you know, we had our beeper. Beep, 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 you know. And the beeper stopped going off, you know what I mean? I, nobody was looking for me anymore, right? What do you mean? You're not going to hit the hookah and then prank call the coach, you know what I mean? And, 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 and make a, have make a, just all this crazy uproarious stuff. You're not going to do that stuff anymore. What do you mean? Well, nobody wants to hang out with me anymore, right? Because they're, to those who are perishing, to those who are in sin, when you shine that light, not by being judgmental ever, by being judgmental, not by pointing the finger at people as though we're better than people, but by living your life in Jesus Christ. And you may not even see this sometimes in yourself. I've gone to people at work before and I've apologized to them. I've said, I'm sorry for the way that I acted yesterday. And they go, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? You didn't do anything wrong. Well, it's because your life is lived to a different standard than everyone else's because your life is lived hopefully to the standards of Jesus Christ himself. And the Bible says that he set for us an example that we should walk in his steps and that we should never shy away from the sufferings and the trials and the tribulations that this, this life brings to seek to escape it, to seek to run away from it because it's in those trials, it's going through those trials and those difficult times and the people of this world who are perishing, who don't know Christ, see you go through it with hope and see you go through it still shining that light that's within you and they understand instinctively you got something they ain't got. And there's a fragrance of life that's there so that people who would be awakened by that, their hearts will be stirred by that. You know, oh yeah, Frank, he's one of those Christians. Therefore, he has all the nice fancy cars and he never gets sick and he lives in a fancy house and he's got no problems in this life. Are you kidding me? That's not the testimony. Show me the saint in the Bible that that was their testimony. The testimony was we go through it all. And not only that, we don't even shy away from the difficulties. We don't shy away from sickness. We don't shy away from tribulation and persecution. We go through it. Why? Because Paul said, because I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So whether I'm abounding and whether God is blessing me with finances and blessing me with health or whether God is allowing me to walk through a crucible, my countenance doesn't change. What's inside of me doesn't change. The hope that I have doesn't change because the hope that I have is not of this world. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. There's nothing about the Christian life. There's nothing about the Christian life that wasn't meant to be supernatural. We weren't called because we were so good. We weren't called certainly because we were so wise. And God says, Gabriel, look, we got to get that one. I mean, have you seen him? Look at the skills, the talents that boy has. You know what I mean? We got to have him. In fact, the Bible says not many wise, <laughs> not many great, but God chose the foolish things of the world. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. You made it in. Well, what are the qualifications? You, you, you idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, what is the well, look, look at this bozo. Hey, watch when I save him. <laughs> we're going to fix him. Where do you see when this idiot's preaching the gospel? And they're like, him? How? Because God. Because God. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that's where all the stuff comes from, that we're more than conquerors and all these great and precious promises that we have. It all comes from what we've been given through Christ. And what we're going to talk about this morning is your part to play in it. 
your part to play. You're coming to Jesus Christ. You know, we're, we're Episcopapticostals here, right? So, so if it's in the Bible, we believe it. So, so I believe in predestination. I, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I also believe in free will choice. You can't have both. Don't tell God what he can't have, okay? Just because the Bible says that God knew you before the foundations of the earth doesn't mean you didn't have a choice to make. He just so happened to know the choice you were going to make before you were even born to make the choice, right? Peter says those God uh, foreknew, he also predestined. And what that tells me is there's something in my chubby little heart that God saw and said, that one's going to love me. Don't, don't, don't ask anybody around him how or why, but that one's going to love me. Boom, chosen. Boom, ordained. That's the way God works. And so we ought to walk around like David did in the Psalms, talking about standing up upon the rock that was his salvation in God the Father, that he had this ability to do a spiritual disappearing act when everything around him was falling apart and they were shooting arrows at him and coming after him with swords. And he said, I am upon the rock and my head is lifted up high round about my enemies. The things of this world can't phase me. The things of this world can't stop me because I'm his. It's never about us. Our part to play is that every single day, just as, though, just as the same way we said, I choose Jesus Christ. I choose to believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I choose to believe that he is the Lord and the Savior of all men. And I choose and I receive that gift, right? That's all being born again is. That's all salvation is, making a choice. I'm not the Lord of my life anymore. I want him to be the Lord of my life. I've done enough in my life and made a mess of it. I've separated myself from God because of my own sin. Jesus died on the cross to atone for my sin, and the Holy Spirit has now come to give me the ability to live that life in the Spirit above willful sin. And when I blow it daily, then... The grace of God that comes through Jesus Christ forgives me and washes me and cleanses me and lifts me back up on my feet and says, keep running. You can't be stopped. They can only hope to contain you, right? right? They can't stop you. They can only hope to contain you. Every day, we have a part to play in it, and that is a choice. Will you go to Mount Gerizim? Or will you go, I almost said Mount Ebola. I don't think that's right, for heaven's sakes. Mount Ebal. Okay, Mount Gerizim in Deuteronomy, the children have to, the, these, these certain tribes of Israel stand uh, Mount Gerizim, and these certain tribes of Israel stand on Mount Ebal, <laughs> not Ebola. And on, from Ebal, there's the cursings are pronounced. And from Gerizim, the blessings are pronounced. It's very simple. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28, don't worry, Dad, I'm not going to re-preach your message, but verse 1, okay, now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now skip down to verse 15. And he goes through all the blessings from that point. That's what pastor covered this morning. Now verse 15, he gives us the flip side of the coin. And there's way more verses with the curses. Right? 
There's way more verses. Hey, there's more verses with the curses. Um, Verse 15, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall your basket uh, shall be in your cursed shall be in your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land and increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you quickly. This is an encouraging message, by the way until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scorching, and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze, and the earth which is under you shall be iron." The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. From the heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. You shall, you, uh, and you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses, now when God starts referring to your body as a carcass, you know you done messed up. Okay, when God, when he stops, you know, oh, yes, you know, you say to your kids, get your carcass over here. You know, it's because they messed up, right? They messed up. And you say, otherwise, so, come here, sweetie. Oh, look at you, you precious darling. <laughs> I love you. Look at your little chubby arms. And then they mess up. It's like, get over here. You know, it's a whole different thing that changed there. God is, is talking discipline. He's talking rebuke. And so he says to them, your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, with the scab, and with the itch. I don't know what that is. I don't want it. From which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. You shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. Doesn't that sound like a picnic? And as it goes on here, and Moses just goes on and on and on, and it's like, okay, Mo, we get it. No, and he says, you know what? No, you don't get it. You don't understand, and I'm going to lay the fact of the cursing on you. I'm going to lay it on you as heavy and thick and as hard as I can so that you think about these things, that you understand and that you know that God, your Father, who called you out of the land of Egypt, who set you free and brought you out into an arid place and gave you the commandments and laws and the way to fellowship with him through the sacrifices and the tabernacle and who is now bringing you into the promised land is a jealous God. And he redeemed you unto himself to be his and his alone. All through the Old Testament, when the prophets come and they begin to rebuke the people of Israel for their idolatry, he compares them to, to loose moral women. He calls them harlots. He calls them, he calls them adulterers because they've forsaken their first love. And the Bible says you have gone a whoring after other gods. Well, why that kind of language? That's how hurtful it is to our Heavenly Father when our hearts are divided. That's how hurtful it is to God when we go after something else and choose something else over Him. That's all idolatry is. 
When something is consuming you more than the Spirit of God is consuming you, that thing to you is an idol. It's not an easy message, but it's true. And so we have Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing, and we have Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing. Now, remember that those of us who are in Christ are not now obligated to keep the law, but rather we are no longer under the law. The Spirit has set us free. It is those who are not in Christ who are still under the law, though they don't even attempt to keep it or may not even know it. On the final day of judgment, when we all stand before the great white throne of judgment and the books are opened, it's very simple. Is their name found written in the Lamb's book of life? And I guarantee you there's going to be names read and you're going to be like, oh, this must be joking. <laughs> not that. Not him. Not her. Don't ever, ever, ever underestimate the grace and mercy of God and the length of his arm and the people that you judge and the people that you think they're not good enough, God maybe has redeemed. It's not our job. We're not judges. We're not juries. And we certainly aren't executioners. Our job is to speak the truth. We speak the truth and love, 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 love. I love your sinful, naughty little self. I love you, you sinners. I love you. We're all in the same boat. I can relate because I'm a wicked, miserable sinner. And the inclinations of my heart always go to the left rather than to the right in so many occasions. And I find this perverse work within me that it's the things that I don't want to do. Those are the things I keep on doing. And the things that I want to do, those are the things I don't do. Just like you. It's this never-ending, continual struggle and fight for us for us, it's not the law, though. So on the day of judgment, is their name found written in the Lamb's book of life? If it is, they are granted salvation. If it isn't, they are then judged according to God's perfect holy law. See, this is the, the purpose of the law. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24, Paul says this, therefore, the law was our tutor or our teacher to bring us to Christ that we might then be justified not by keeping the law, but by faith. Justification through faith. The, one of the greatest doctrines of your faith is that you are justified by faith, not of works. Not of works. The law is what teaches you you need Jesus. Because I can look in the mirror and say, not bad, not bad. Not only am I strikingly and devastatingly handsome with a perfect physical body, but I am also the greatest man I know. Really, I just am the best. I'm just a great... I can do that all day long. And my wife's back there going, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You know what I mean? On all counts, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> right? But... When I compare myself, this is, this is why it's so important for you to study the Word of God. This is why it's so important for you to... This, it's not my job to make sure you understand the Word of God. It's my job to stand up here and preach to you from the Word of God. It's your job to make sure you understand the Word of God. You got me? Right? There's so many. There are so many tools. There are so many things to help you understand the Word of God... And yet people don't take advantage of any of them because they got better things to do. It's your responsibility to know and understand what the Bible has to say for your life, okay? But, oh, I lost my place. <laughs> um, the, the law 
is the tutor. The law is what shows us. I can look great in my own eyes, but when I compare myself to the Word of God, what the Bible says about God's nature and about the man Jesus Christ, suddenly I look at myself and it's woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and of an uncircumcised heart who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has taken this sinner, this lawbreaker, and because of the obedience of Jesus Christ and his shed blood that I put my faith and hope and trust to, his righteousness, the Bible teaches us, is now imputed to you. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see how you blew it last night. He sees the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And when the enemy comes before the throne to accuse you, the Bible calls him the serpent who accuses the brethren before the throne of God day and night. He can come and talk all the trash he wants about you. But you have an advocate. That's the same word for an attorney who sits at the right hand of the Father. That's your right and my right who sits at the right hand of the Father, and just when Satan's starting to get worked up, just as he's starting to really get into how your weekend went, Jesus goes, <clears throat> Your Honor, can I approach the bench? Ta-ta-la-sty. Paid in full. Sealed for the day of redemption. You are guiltless because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. Your choice, your Mount Gerizim, and your Mount Ebola, just kidding, Ebal, the flesh versus the spirit. And you know what that's all about, don't you? The spirit wars against the flesh, and the flesh wars against the spirit so that the two are at odds or at enmity with one another, the scripture teaches us. Every day there's that battle. There's that old Native American uh, proverb. You probably have read it before. It's so cool. I don't even know it's true. You know, it's probably some white dude, in a, you know what I mean, that, that wrote it, and it was Native American proverb. Who knows? I choose to believe it was a Native American proverb. And this, this, uh, uh, this, this, warrior or chief or whatever he is, his son comes to him or his grandson comes to him and, and, and he's talking to him and he says, there's two wolves that live within you, uh, a good wolf and a bad wolf. And the good wolf wants you to do the good things and the bad wolf wants you to do the bad things. And the child says, grandfather, grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather said, the one you feed. The one you feed. I'm going to read a, a, a couple of verses to you. First of all, verse 15 begins with, but it shall come to pass. But it shall come to pass. You cannot escape God. You cannot escape the spiritual laws that he put into place when he created the universe. If you walk according, uh, here it is in, in, um, uh, in Romans, I'm sorry, chapter 8 and verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And he's not talking about a physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay? It shall come to pass what God has said will be. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit 
will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, what exactly is the flesh and what exactly is the Spirit? The things of the flesh, the works of the flesh, are the things that you desire to do or that you have inclinations to do or you are driven to do that you know are contrary to the Word of God. Now, there's, there is a gray area, okay? You're like, what? what gray? Paul talks about these things. All things are profitable for me, but not all things are beneficial, right? You have liberty in Jesus Christ, not to commit sin, but you are free in Jesus Christ. For, for, and the Bible says, blessed is the man who is not condemned by what he approves, right? I'm not your judge and you're not my judge. There might be something that I do or, or that I enjoy that for you, you want no part of it. It is not for you that as God has showed you that I don't want you to be anywhere near that thing. Okay, now we're not talking about things that are written in the Bible. Always, right? Always. Understand and know that. I'm not talking about things that the Bible says thou shalt not, and I'm like, well, for me, I have grace, brother. No, you don't. You never have grace, and you never have inspiration, and you never have a word of, from God, and you never have any kind of prophecy that goes against God's word. In latter times, God spoke to us through the prophets, but now he has spoken to us through his only son, Jesus Christ. And the spoken word that was written down and given to you and I is that message of God. That word of God and Jesus Christ are one in spirit. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And the word became flesh and dwelt among men for a while. Jesus Christ is the spoken word of God made a man to show us that there was a bridge. He is the physical appearance of God. If God could become a man and interact with sinful men and show them all the love that he ever wanted to, it would look just like Jesus Christ. And in fact, he did do just that. But we have a choice to walk according to the flesh or according to the spirit. The gray area things, okay, uh, is an example. I enjoy Marvel. I enjoy the Marvel superheroes movies. If you judge me, I will fight you after church. No, that would really be so into the flesh, especially when I got beat up, you know what I mean? By a woman, you know what I mean, or something. Embarrassing. I love the Marvel movies. I, I love them. I love superheroes. I love it. You know, my favorite part of the Superman, the Man of Steel movie, remember he goes into the church and he's sitting there and he's talking about because the bad aliens, have you guys seen this movie? The bad aliens want him to surrender himself, you know, blah, 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 and he's no, they might kill him, and he's, he's talking to this priest about it, this, this minister, and he's saying, what, what should I do? Should I give myself for the people of this world? And right behind him, there's a picture of Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. I love that kind of stuff. You know why we have heroes? You know why we love those kind of things and good conquering over evil? Because Jesus Christ is a superhero. There's something written in the heart and the conscience and the DNA of everybody. I need a hero. I need a savior. But most people reject him because of the word that goes with him. And that stumbling stone of offense, you are a sinner. You are responsible to Almighty God. Something has to be done about your sin. You must repent. That is the stumbling stone that most will never get past. Isn't that tragic? Because the blessings on the other side of that stumbling stone are beyond compare, and they are eternal. But I love those Marvel films. I love them. I love the superhero stuff. You might say, I think those are ungodly. How dare you? Good for you. 
Now, here's one thing I can tell you about the Marvel films. They do, in the actuality, even though I like to make these little things, there was a picture of Jesus in the movie. You know what I mean? Like, whoa, you know. But they do absolutely nothing to grow me in my relationship with God. They do absolutely nothing to grow me into conforming into the image of Jesus Christ. They do absolutely nothing to further the Spirit's influence in my heart. You, you get the point that I'm making? It's kind of like a gray area there, and there's things like that. But for the most part, there's the things... That, that's, that's never your problem, really, is it, if we're being honest, right? When you talk to skeptics, they always want to bring off that, well, what about the, 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 in this one crazy situation where it seems that I'm able to show them that God contradicted him? But that's not the reality. The reality is every single day, we're all faced with what we know to be right and what we know to be wrong, and we choose wrong. Why? Because we want it. Like Gollum, you know, we want it. My precious. You know, that's how we are with our sin. That's how we are with our gossip. That's how we are with our temper. That's how we are with our lust. That's how we are with our covetousness. We want it. You know these things, right? It's the things that I know clearly that I have a problem with. And so every day we're given the choice. For you, Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing, is the flesh. And Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing, is the Spirit. Here's what, Jesus, uh, excuse me, here's what God the Father uh, told Moses back in Exodus 34, 5-7. I want you to listen to the language that he uses here. The Lord descended in the cloud. Now, this, mind you, this is after the golden calf incident. Okay? Moses has gone up to the mountain. God gave him the Ten Commandments. He comes down. They've erected a golden calf. They go through all of that stuff. Now he goes back up the mountain to see God again to get some new tablets. And in spite of all that wickedness, here's what God says to Moses. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Another portion would say, to those who hate me. To those who hate me. Now, what is he talking about and what does this mean? To those who love God. See, remember, and here's the problem that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees had when they were challenging Jesus Christ. He looks at you and he sees it all. He sees everything in your mind. He sees every single thing in your heart. And that's who he's speaking to. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is never, never, never interested in speaking to your fake book self, to that false front you put forward. How are you? Blessed. Oh, I'm so blessed. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag God loves me. Hashtag everything's wonderful. And in my heart, it's, you know what I mean? My precious. That's who Jesus speaks to. That's who Jesus speaks to. That's the demon-possessed man who came out of the caves. It's that demon of your own flesh in your heart. That's who he's always speaking to. Right to the heart of the matter. Right to the bullseye of exactly who you are. And there he tells you, I love you. I died for you. I want you to be my son or my daughter. 
And so in the midst of giving the law, God shows Moses his very nature. It's not to take the law and use it as a hammer to beat people over the head with. The law is there to show you, Mo, how far you fall short of my glory. And then they give you the sacrificial system so that you can find a way back, which all points to the future sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. But my nature, Moses, is the same now as it will be when Jesus died. Patient, long-suffering, forgiving, forgiving trespasses, forgiving iniquity. What? To those who love me. Look no further than King David. A maniac. This dude was a maniac. Hey, God, I want to build the temple for you. Oh, no, 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 no. Solomon will build the temple, David. David. <laughs> You can't build a temple. You're a man of blood, right? And he was a crazy man. He was, he was guilty of some of the worst sins. He should have been, according to the law, put to death, should he have not? Adultery, murder, it doesn't get worse. That's it. But his heart, his heart, even the ugliness, even the my precious, was open to the Lord. And at any point in time, God could send one of his prophets and say, you, David. And he would go, the Lord, I am open before the Lord. Lord, against you and you alone have I sinned. Forgive me of my iniquity, of my trespasses. And after that, uh, at the end of his life, when he has the sin of counting the people as God had commanded them not to, and a plague comes, and he repents before the Lord, and then he goes to buy the threshing floor of Aruna, uh, and later that's where the temple would be built there as well, but he goes there to purchase it, to make sacrifices to the Lord, and Aruna says, you're my king, I'll give you this land, and David says, no, I will surely pay, and neither will I offer to the Lord my God that which doth cost me nothing. I want everything that is called mine to be his. And that's who God's talking about when he says, patient, I forgive, I overlook iniquity. Where's your heart? Your heart is what is going to choose Mount <laughs> Gerizim or Mount, I, I keep wanting to say Ebola, Ebal. Thank you. It's not that hard. It's really not difficult. Ebal. It's our heart. It's our heart that's doing the choosing every single day. A couple more verses and we'll wrap it up. Galatians 5, 16 to 25, some encouragement from Paul. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Here you go. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, and uh, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You, you see the contrast Paul makes here? Make no mistake, God is not mocked. Your life, if you walk according to the flesh, will be marked with wickedness, will be marked with darkness. If you live a life according to the Spirit, if you choose the Spirit of God, your life will be marked with the fruit of the Spirit.
with love, with joy. It doesn't mean you're a perfect person. That doesn't mean you don't have to repent anymore. That doesn't mean you're not going to blow it big time. But I've told people this before, and I'll share this with you guys now. Your life is the sum total of the decisions you make. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. All right? And bad things happen to... The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Life is life. But the overall picture, the 30,000-foot view of your life is a sum total of the decisions you've made. You can, you have, there are people who have overcome insurmountable odds, who have gone through atrocities and horrific things and awful things, and their life is a blessing to other people because they have chosen to let it be so. And in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have that power. You have that ability within you because of Jesus Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, to choose to live that life according to the Spirit, to walk according to the Spirit. And those will be the earmarks of your life. And your life will be the sum total, one way or the other, of the decisions that you make. And this is what he says. Paul presents it as a choice, doesn't he? I say then, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. I'm having all these problems. I'm having all these troubles. I'm going through all this stuff. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you walking in the Spirit? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, in other words, you couldn't keep it, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That's where God turned His back on Jesus Christ. When He was on the cross and He took all of our sin upon Himself and His own Father in heaven turned His back on His only Son and Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became sin who knew no sin. And by doing so, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Another way to say that is you know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Right? You know a tree by the fruit that it bears. I mean... Don't lie to yourself. And I'm, I'm, I'm just saying this generally speaking. I'm not accusing any of you who are doing this. But we make agreements with ourselves. And we lie to ourselves. And we try to make it sugarcoat it, make it look better than it actually is. God knows anyway. Be open and honest to the Lord your God. And let Him see every aspect of your life. The, uh, for those who live according to the, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life, here it is, and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. That's why we always say, don't get mad at sinners. Don't out, be out there being angry with people who are doing sinful things. You understand? They have no choice. They don't understand, nor can they understand. The carnal man, the natural man, cannot understand and know the things of God. Your job is to tell them the truth and to shower them with grace and mercy and love. Don't be angry with them. They cannot help it. They cannot see. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, Christian, 
are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, and you're the only one that can answer that question. I can know it by the fruit that you bear, but you know, does the Spirit of God dwell in me? And if your answer is, I don't know if it does because I do all these things and I feel terrible about it, let me, let me, I got some breaking news for you. That's the Spirit of God dowelling in you. Yeah? I get worried. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm just perfect, perfect, wonderful. Everything's great. Everything's perfect. I get worried. I get nervous. How are you? How are you, how are you doing? <laughs> ah, the Spirit of God. Oh, hard at work, you know? Oh, three o'clock in the morning, the hours of self-loathing. You know what I mean? You wake up, oh, I'm the worst. Oh, you know? that's the spirit of god not because he wants to hurt you the bible says that discipline is never enjoyable at the moment but it reaps it it, it's what am i trying to say it it brings a thank you pop it brings a harvest of righteousness why do you discipline your kids i just love beating on them come here timmy daddy's got a special for you you know i i don't want to discipline my kids Sometimes, I, but usually, I don't want to discipline my kids. I never enjoyed spanking my little kid, right, with a with a, with a pipe. No, I'm kidding. I never enjoyed spanking my 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 kid. I used to sit him down and I used to tell him, "The reason that Daddy is going to spank you now is because I love you, believe it or not, and I am teaching you to obey the voice of God." That's, that's my job as a father, to teach you to obey the voice of God. Now, when you're little, it looks like this. When you're running towards the road and daddy says, stop, I need to know you're going to stop. That discipline is essential to maybe save your little life. But I want you to be happy. You ever notice your kid? Your kid you, you ever hear your kid, one of your kids wakes up in the morning and he's just walking around the house like this? Right? And you're like, what on earth? Did, is, what, what is, what's in the cornflakes? You know what I mean? And the kid's just like, you know, and you know it's coming. You know it's coming, right? And I used to tell Nikki, oh, ooh, 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 I'm seeking an occasion to confront the Philistine. I can see this coming, you know what I mean? <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough, hey, I want you to do that. I was like, yeah! And like that. Okay. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. No, no. Listen, I'm going to tell you. Listen to me. Look at me. I'm going to tell you one more time. Do what I tell you to do, or you're going to be disciplined. Right? You know what I mean? Okay. Carry them like this into the bathroom. They're kicking and they're screaming. They're miserable. They're angry. I have my little speech with them. I love you. I'm teaching you to obey the voice of God. And so I have to discipline you because without discipline, there's no correction. Without correction, there's no learning. There's no understanding. There's no fruit of righteousness in your life. And I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled. I want you to be a great employee. I want you to be a great husband or wife. I want you to be a great parent. I want you to be for other people what maybe no one else has been for them. And so I'm going to hold you to God's standard. And it's my job to make sure you are obedient. And here comes the spanking. Wing, bang, boom. And then I hold him, I love you. Daddy loves you. He loves you. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And the most amazing thing, the most amazing, this is on Facebook. I'm probably going to get arrested this afternoon. The most amazing thing, I'm, come and get it. No, the most amazing thing happens. I know, I got problems. The most amazing thing happens. After that discipline is given, that child has now in their heart been set free 
set free all of the anger, all of the malice, all of the bitterness, all of whatever was going on in their little heart. Okay, if you're still spanking your kid when they're 16, you, you probably missed the boat, okay? All right, you, you get them just like a puppy, just like a puppy. You know, puppies are cute. Look, look at him biting my hand. Oh, he's so cute. Arr, arr, he's biting me. Yeah, you know, it's a pit bull, all right? And then its head's going to be like this. Oh, and it, then it's not cute when it's biting people, right? Not cute anymore. It's the same thing with your kids, right? And so we discipline our kids because we love them. And after that discipline comes and they've been set free, they've paid the penalty for sin and they're set free from it and they're just happy. I never disciplined a kid and the rest of the day they were just like, where do you go to sleep, old man? You know what I mean? Never happened. Never happened. You know what I mean? I'll put, some, I'll put something on those chicken wings. You know what I mean? <laughs> they were set free. Now listen, when God allows this in your life, and when you have those moments of self-loathing, and you have those first of all, don't let the enemy take you where it's not supposed to go because there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. None, zero, zip, zero. Condemnation is of Satan. Conviction is of God. So you let it have its work. You let it have its work. God, I'm a sinner. I know you are. God, will you forgive me? I forgave you 2,000 years ago. God, will you let me back in? You never left as far as I'm concerned. That's the God we serve. Choose the mountain of the Spirit. Choose the mountain of the blessing. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and, and uh, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the law that is indeed a tutor, an instructor for us, Lord, and we're so thankful we're not under it. <laughs> Lord, we're so grateful that we're under the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, and oh, that salvation that you won for us, Father, by your own right hand, Lord, and by your own strength, when we were powerless, when we were yet sinners, when we were your enemies, you rescued us, you cleansed us, and you made us sons and daughters, Lord. And we are so grateful for that, so thankful. Lord, help us to not be like men who look in the mirror and go away forgetting their appearance, but help us to remember these words and to daily, Father, today, tomorrow, the next day, choose the Spirit, choose the Spirit, choose to walk in the Spirit. Father, have your perfect work in each of our hearts, Lord. May your name be glorified in the things that we do, Father. And may we see souls brought into the kingdom uh, as you work through your people, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Love you, fam.